0: through the cream and down, and you scream again black hole sun won't you come Wash away the rain black hole sun won't you come Cable smith welcome everybody into another episode come. Of Campfire Conversations. This is number 23. It's that bonus content that uh, I try to deliver as frequently as possible. And uh, I taped a great conversation with a couple of fellows from the SCI Foundation recently. And I want you all to take a listen to it because you're probably familiar with SCI, Safari Club International, and the great work that they do as far as protecting our rights as sportsmen and sportswomen and, uh, and hunters and conservationists. But you might not be aware of the philanthropic arm of SCI, which is the foundation. So on this episode, we're going to visit. It's a, it's a roundtable of sorts. And uh, we'll visit with Dr. Chris Comer. He's the director of conservation. And then also... Jordan Hasler, Director of Development for the SCI Foundation. So um, much to get into. Let's go ahead and uh, take a listen here without further delay. Uh, Well, Dr. Comer, Jordan, welcome to the show. It's great to visit with you both.
1: Thank you. It's
0: my pleasure. Uh, So let's start with what each of you do at the SCI Foundation. Uh, Jordan, why don't you take the reins here?
2: Yeah, so I've been with uh, the SCI Foundation for almost seven years now, and I currently uh, am the Director of Development, meaning I head up our fundraising efforts that we do.
0: Okay, and uh, Dr. Comer?
1: So I've been with the Foundation for about four years. When I started, I was originally brought on to be the Director of Conservation, so that's my primary role now. So I manage all of our conservation programs, wildlife research and wildlife management stuff that we support for conservation. And now I'm also technically responsible for our conservation education programs as well. So I am oversee the education stuff that we do. Through okay. The foundation. Awesome. Awesome. And so describe
0: what separates the foundation from SCI itself.
2: You want to tackle that one, Jordan? Sure. I think really when you look at um, the the two organizations, one from an IRS perspective is a a C4. So SEI is a 501C4, which allows them to engage in lobbying activities. And the foundation is a 501C3, which allows us to raise money that's totally tax deductible to the donors. Uh, And we engage primarily in education, conservation, and humanitarian services work.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, so what I really want to discuss today are a couple things. The first being the intersect where hunting and science meet, because we know that the anti-hunting and and animal rights side of the equation are only basing their narrative strictly off emotion. Uh, So how do we as a hunting and conservation community get that reality that science and hunting are forever intertwined, how do we get that into the mainstream and accept it as truth? Because I think that's possibly the biggest thing that we're struggling with.
1: That That is a real struggle. And, you know, as someone who came from a science background, so I was in academia for a long time. Um, there is a certain way when you approach this, you think, well, if we just get enough of the science and the facts out there, people will see the truth of, of what we're saying. And then that'll sort of make our argument For us, right? Mm -hmm. We certainly hope that would would be the case. Of course, as you said, it's not that simple. Uh, And certainly a lot of the issues that we deal with are sort of charged with some emotional aspects, which make it hard to get people to actually, in my opinion, hard to get them to actually pay attention to some of the scientific facts that were out there. We're we're lucky, particularly here in the United States, where we have state game agencies and federal agencies that really are engaged in science-based wildlife management. You know Text Parks and Wildlife where you are, that's what they do. They they collect lots of data about all the species that, that they're involved with and they make decisions based on those data. Um, and, and we're lucky that we have that infrastructure in place to do that. I don't I wish I had the magic answer for how we could get people to to pay attention to that that science mm-hmm. and, and get it to them. That's one of the things you now we've really uh, struggled with how we're gonna do this with our education and communications uh, stuff that we do is how do we get that message in a way that people are going to listen to it? I think we that the hunting organizations have come a long way in being able to communicate that more effectively, but certainly there's a lot more work to be done in that area. Okay. Uh,
0: Jordan, do you think that, because I've been doing this, for I think, 14 years, and I feel like when I started out, this community, it wasn't that, that we were apologetic about what we... And, and who we are. It was more that we just kind of just let them bring the fight to us and trample us. Uh, I think that that has changed over the last two or three years, uh, noticeably. Would you agree that, that we're kind of taking the fight back to them at this point? Well,
2: I, I think as we look at, yeah, no question, I, I guess is the, the answer to that. I think that there's um, this tricky balancing act there where um, you look at Identity politics today, and I, I think that we have to be cautious as we take that fight back. I think that people you get confronted with facts sometimes, and they dig themselves in deeper into the place where they already. It, it's all it becomes almost impossible to sway their mindset. And so I think that there's got to be this taking the the fight back. but it, it, No question, we need to be doing that. But I think that we've got to also recognize that those people. Um, that sit on that far side of the aisle, they share some really common core beliefs that hunters have that they want to see wildlife on the landscape forever. Like that, that's their concern and they're uneducated and think that hunters are going to be, uh, the, the deterrent from that goal as a hunter. That's all I care about too. I, I want my kids and my grandkids to, to have those same opportunities. So I think that there's common ground that we can build off of while we take that fight back to them and make sure that we come at that from a place of understanding that, that they just don't have the same life experiences that we have.
1: I mean, have that's, a, either, that's a great point. Yeah. Have either of you
0: ever had a moment where you were talking to or you 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 guys are I'm sure involved in a lot of meetings between different organizations. And has there ever been a moment where an anti-hunting or pro animal rights Per individual or group was like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. Like where you, were you had this, this moment in time where you connected, or is it always just emotional and then, Hey, we don't like it and we're going to scream louder than you. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like we're just beating our head against the wall with the people, like you said, that are on the far side. So maybe it's not even them that we should be concerned with. It's the people in the middle.
1: That's what I was going to something along those lines. I think there is a group that, that you really can approach, but they're just not going to listen. They refuse to believe it. And I've certainly encountered those people at some of these international meetings and stuff that I go to. But I have seen people who maybe didn't have an opinion or just they maybe they didn't think about it that much, but they sort of assumed that hunting was bad. And then when they see facts or you talk to them about it and how you feel about it, like what Jordan just said, like what he wants, what he really cares about is seeing wildlife in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. I have seen the light come on for people that maybe were what you said, like you said, in the middle there are people that, that can be reached that maybe just haven't ever thought about it really. Right. Mm-hmm. They just, they don't want really think about it. And then they heard somebody say hunting, killing animals. That sounds bad. Yeah. Okay. I agree. And then they get a little more information and they see, Oh, that's a, it's a more complicated picture than I thought. And I can see how, how hunting could be beneficial in a lot of cases. So I think the people in the middle, you can make a difference for them.
0: So that's our target audience here. That, that's uh,
1: certainly what we've been trying trying to target. Yes. Or possibly even, uh, and, and
0: uh, Jordan and I were talking a little bit uh, about this off the air, but maybe the hunter who's new to hunting and doesn't really understand that it's more of an all-in type of deal. Uh, you know, we could kill deer and elk, but maybe maybe we shouldn't hunt wolves or mountain lions. Like,
1: okay, that's an uneducated hunter, in my opinion. Thanks I said, they haven't... my my guess is they haven't thought about it that much. They think that, well, I mean, my, my, what I hear is, well, i I never really want to hunt wolves. So why should I be worried about that? But, yeah. but you're right. It's, you know, you sort of take the whole thing as it's all part of that same picture. I agree.
0: Well, wolves are still in the forefront. I think uh, they're, they're back on the endangered species list as of now. Correct. Yeah, that's right. But, and it, that they, wolves has been the hot button predator species since I've been doing this, but you know they're kind of like old news now because they it seems like bears are the thing that the the animal rights groups are screaming the loudest about now. It's like ah, we've done with we're done with wolves for now. We're gonna go <laughs> we're gonna go mess with black bears now.
1: They they well they like anything any of the predators the anti anti uh, use groups like to to talk about them people get attached people form an emotional attachment i think to wolves and bears that that can be sort of exploited by those groups to to make them not necessarily pay attention to the the science and the facts that are out there
0: yeah i mean washington state just lost their spring bear hunt this year based off of uh you know uh, it's not it wasn't a decision based in science we'll put it that way
1: i I was doing this is an interesting point i was doing an for for something else I was writing, I, I did like an assessment of all the, the ballot initiatives and not every state has ballot initiatives, but if you look at all the ballot initiatives in the United States over the last like 25 years or something, um, they're related to hunting or you know, challenging some type of hunting season or hunting. I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was a large proportion of the ballot initiatives that have been put forward in various states have been related to, to bears, mountain lions, bobcats, and doves for some reason, but there's a few species like they're very rare that people worried about, about deer or things like that, but uh-huh. bears that that's what that's the where the, the fight is with those species for sure. Yeah, it's interesting to me when I went through that and sure enough, you look at the facts, the, the data and yeah, that that is where the, the attacks are coming. So you're right. And we've seen
0: an uptick in human wildlife conflict when it comes to grizzly bears specifically. Um I saw another person was attacked like last week and we're trying to get this grizzly season to happen. Um, It was supposed to happen. And then a judge blocked it. uh, like the hunters had even they'd already had their tags drawn for the first grizzly hunt in the lower 48, since I think like the seventies or something. And, and that was three or four, maybe even more years ago. And we still haven't had that grizzly hunt.
2: I don't know how
0: many people have to get killed or attacked before the anti is like, Oh gosh, maybe, maybe human life is more important. (laughs)
1: or Maybe this approach isn't right. It's uh, a, it's you know, that's been one area that the SCI foundation has been, we identified that same thing with the grizzly bear conflict. We've been getting more and more involved with, with helping with conflict mitigation in Wyoming and Montana specifically. I think it's an area where hunters can show that, this is what kind of, we thought it was important. It's an area where, where the hunters or hunting organization can show that we care about the bigger picture. Like there's not a, a season on grizzly bears now, but we recognize that managing grizzly bear populations more effectively, which includes conflict with people is going to be to the benefit of everyone. We all want to see bears stay in that landscape. And so we want to help with that. That's a big problem, not only for people and loss of property and loss of life, but also for the bears, right? Nobody wants to see bears having to be euthanized by federal or state, uh, biologists, instead of being used for something much more economically important and, and just better all around, you know, just to have mm-hmm. them, uh, taken by hunters is just a better outcome than, than the way those bears are going right now. So yeah. I think that's a really important area for us to be involved with. And and a lot of the organizations that are involved with that right now have been not hunting friendly organizations. But I think there's a real place for the hunting groups to be more involved in that conflict stuff.
0: Um, what about, american politicians meddling in foreign wildlife management <laughs> jordan because and i think this is actually the post that i saw that was like i, I want to just have somebody on from SCI foundation um ben cassidy and i do this almost like once a month uh but that's it's more just of going through the hot button issues or anti-hunting legislation that's out there uh both foreign uh, domestically and and uh, internationally but this post got me thinking the one about elephants killing 60 something people already this year in zimbabwe i believe correct me if i'm wrong there but uh and you go back to the bears here if 60 americans had been killed by grizzlies there'd be an uproar this se- this season would have already started for these bears uh but for some reason we don't care about uh zimbabweans like i don't i don't understand that's that's a lot of loss of life they're way over their carrying capacity on the number of elephants that they they can support. And I think Botswana is the same way, uh, but I'll I'll let you guys um, give me your thoughts on that.
2: I think Dr. Comer's could be the expert here ultimately, but I do I think ulti- you know that your example of if if sixty Americans have been killed by grizzlies, I, I agree with you. I think there's no question that there would be an uproar and, and that we would be taking drastic measures to make sure it doesn't happen i think the unfortunate part is is that the the people that will criticize those types of hunting in other countries they just don't know the facts they have no concept or knowledge uh they get completely brainwashed by what cnn or or choose your news network is gonna tell them Mm -hmm. dr comer why don't you you have a lot more experience here than i do yeah you're you're exactly right people just don't
1: I mean, oh, I forgot to mention that.
0: import bans. is kind of like where I was going with that, but I, I didn't throw that in the conversation. <laughs> so the import so,
1: bans is yeah. is sort of the the end result of this yeah. reaction to to elephants. The um, yeah, yeah, you're you're right. There is there's this disconnect where people, even if they see that news thing about people being killed in Zimbabwe, they probably don't. Their mind doesn't. I don't think make the connection to the fact that there are a lot of elephants in Zimbabwe. I mean. And it's one of those things where you just wish everybody could spend a week there in some of these areas of Northern Botswana, where there, we were there, this was in November. We were there for a week, uh, kind of touring around some community areas in Northern Botswana, talking to these, these folks who live with elephants every day. And I bet we saw a thousand elephants Mm. in that week. They were, they were, they were everywhere. And you could see the destruction they had, they had wreaked on people's crops. Uh, the people talked about the elephants come into town and they they worry about their children getting trampled. We think feral hogs are bad in Texas on (laughs) crops, right? Imagine (laughs) if they if they weighed several tons, right? Yeah. 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 It's it's amazing. Um but I think Jordan's right. It's just it's not that people don't care about Zimbabweans, they just don't make the connection between these these things. Um and it it is it does make a huge difference to have been there and talked to people there and they think. I mean, talk to people sort of in the, in a rural community in Botswana or Zimbabwe about elephants going extinct or concerns about elephant populations. They, they think that is absurd because they (laughs) see all the elephants that are around them. They, they don't, they can't even comprehend why, why would you not want to hunt elephants? They don't, they don't get it. It's Uh been my experience. So it, it is frustrating for, for me personally to be over there and see that. And I, I mean, I get the, I get it when I see an elephant, even when I saw those thousand elephants, every time I saw one, I was, it just blows you away. Like it, you know, it's an amazing sight to see them, but still to hear people talk and then come home and then see the disconnect between what you hear here is really frustrating. People don't really get it. I don't think.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, how, much over their carrying capacity are those two countries is that they have the most elephants, I think, right in the world.
1: By far, yeah. Botswana in particular. I mean, they, it's there's a lot of different definitions of carrying capacity, but if you oh, look okay. at social carrying capacity, they're they're like double or three times what their total sort of, sort of com, the the number of elephants that's compatible with the number of people they have. I mean, they, and, and they're doing ecological like, damage.
0: One hundred thirty thousand elephants, or something. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. One hundred thirty thousand. And people want to complain about hunters taking a couple hundred every year.
1: Not even, but yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> a few. Yeah. It's it's, there's no way it's touching that population. The, the hunting is not.
0: Yeah. Sure. And then the Botswana government, like 18 months ago was talking about having a call and turning them all
1: into dog food. <laughs> that was an interesting that yeah. it, yeah. it's not that long ago. They were doing regular
2: calls in places like South Africa. I mean, that was quite common. Mm. Zimbabwe was calling yeah. incredible yeah. amounts of elephants annually. I, but I think that, you know, it, the, the fascinating thing about people is, is that we all know of news stories that are blatantly not true. Like, uh, but for some reason, when a news story comes on that you like the narrative, you, you deem everything that they tell you as being true. And I, I think that whether it's arrogance or just a, a complete lack of Um, skepticism about these issues people just take it in and and believe it and then they think that they should be advocating and lobbying um for these these laws or these you know uh restraints on on what hunters do in those countries and i do think that i i feel for those people that are over in those countries that are Mm -hmm. trying to eke out a living living day to day and, and they've got elephants that are terrorize literally terror terrorizing them
0: um but so what do these people do to the what is their mindset when they look at an elephant like obviously (laughs) a doctor you said that they can't understand why anyone wouldn't want to hunt them if these things are destroying their crops if they if it killed
1: uh little johnny's uncle i mean are these people killing them i mean i they don't most of them so of course firearms aren't very widespread they don't have access to to the means to kill them easily Uh um so that i don't think there's a whole lot of of that type of killing that's going on but they certainly don't have a positive view of them overall which is unfortunate i mean they they have a respect for them of course as part of that ecosystem and i think they wouldn't want elephants to go away completely but they don't understand why there's this view that that elephants are going extinct and that that we need to be concerned about them they they certainly And I think that the longer this goes on with these high numbers of elephants, the more negative their view of these animals is going to become. Yeah. As they as they suffer more and more damage and and they don't see the economic benefits of it, they're going to get a a more negative view of them, which is too bad. So one of the most rewarding
0: experiences of my hunting career was when I shot a, a Cape Buffalo in South Africa. And I mean that was cool in its own right, and and something that was on my bucket list. But we took about half of that buffalo Mm -hmm. to the little country school there which the soccer field was built with hundred dollars the well was dug with hundred dollars and then you take this red meat to that school i'm not kidding you uh every one of those kids sang and danced because they were so happy to have that protein uh Mm -hmm. so so that was kind of the i always believed this to be true right and that hunting is conservation but that was, that was probably the moment in my life where I'm like, okay, yeah, this is exactly as advertised. And th- there, there's not there was not, n- not one negative thing about that experience. You could say, well, what are the pros and the cons? No, there's only pros. So
2: I think um, it's just a, such a different, like you look at the world that we live in today here in the States specifically like the idea of someone starving or going hungry, like it's almost a preposterous idea. Maybe not in the future, in the next several months, but um, historically we've had plenty of food. We're, life is so easy for us. So to even be able to relate for people, like that's a problem. That If pe- people could go and see that these the natives in Africa, these animals can destroy their life or make their life infinitely better. Um, and you see that example over and over and over again through those hunting concessions. Mm-hmm.
1: That, that scene that you describe—I mean, I think those of us, any of us that have spent time over there doing that, have seen something along those lines. And it is—it's one thing to sort of say hunting is conservation and it's important to these people, and it's another thing to actually be there and see it. And you're like, "Whoa, this is Living, this is yeah. like real." Yeah, yeah, it makes yeah. a big difference. Um,
0: so as we as we wrap up here. Jordan. Um, I really just wanted to bring awareness to the foundation and, uh, yes, it is obviously a, a part of, of SCI, uh, but specifically what the foundation does. So you guys, I mean, I see it on, on social media all the time. You're always doing these awesome raffles for dream hunts. Um, what do you guys currently have going on? So people wanted to throw their hat in the ring and, and in the process, uh, support the SCI foundation.
2: Awesome. We'd love to have the support. We just wrapped up a, uh, caribou hunt sweepstakes. Um, that being said, we currently have our monthly giving program that's going on. So a person can give 25 bucks or they can give $200 a month. Um, that enters you automatically into any of the hunt sweepstakes that we have throughout the year. So, uh, right now we're working on make launching a New Zealand dream hunt kind of sweepstakes. Um, but then also with those monthly givers, anyone that gives 25 bucks or more a month, they're entered into a hundred thousand uh, dollar year end sweepstakes. They get to spend a hundred thousand dollars, however they want, as long as it's on hunts. You, your wife can't abscond with it for uh, a home renovation <laughs> okay, or the so husband can't go buy a new Corvette.
0: I'd be doing a leopard hunt and, and then whatever I left over, I'd try to knock out maybe two of the sheep species in
1: north america i think that would be like that, that's an amazing sweepstakes that yeah that uh, hundred grand what would you do with that if you yeah, could, could just go hunting yeah. uh, oh. sadly that's i don't a, i don't think as an employee i'm not eligible for that sweepstakes darn it no we're <laughs> not eligible i think course.
0: there would be a big stink if i won as well so <laughs> you may be right yeah. uh, fair but point. one of you guys could win <laughs> one of the listeners i hope one of them wins
1: We yeah. um, can come sure. up with an alias right yeah
0: <laughs> well hey guys uh certainly great visiting with you um thank you so much for the time today and uh, the the website for the foundation is go ahead dr
1: cohen <laughs> i'll let you wrap it up <laughs> it is is it scifoundation.org Firstforwildlife.org, or oh, you can God. go to can you? Can maybe you jordan should
0: have taken that one yeah <laughs> it changed it changed yeah. like a few years ago yeah well, thank you guys very much. A uh, big fan of, of everything the Foundation does, and I appreciate your time.
1: All right. Thanks, man. Oh, thank you. Good to be with you. So
0: there they go. Dr. Chris Comer, Director of Conservation for the SCI Foundation, and Jordan Hasler, Director of Development for the Foundation. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed getting to know them and what SCI Foundation is all about. Um, thanks for being here. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Campfire Conversations. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith. We'll talk to you soon. He's the one
2: who likes
0: her pretty songs he likes to sing along and he likes to shoot his gun you don't know what it means he don't know what it means to someone